everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today, but my co-host Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, welcome back to America, Matt. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was an interesting trip. A whirlwind trip to India. So, you know, hello to everyone in India who listens to our podcast, and I'm sure. You know, after your visit, that probably that we have lots of more um, listeners. Well, maybe a couple. You never know. You know, if you want to say like anything <laughs> to that, um, feel free. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't really meet a whole lot of people in India. I mean, I met a few, but uh, it was a work trip, so. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. Our guest today, um, he's definitely got a story because he uh, did not grow up in the U.S., and we're going to talk about that, but uh, what's it like from your perspective, like visiting another culture? Um, well, I mean, you're never, I, I guess you're just not sure until you get there, you know, you think like uh, it's going to, you think it's going to be one way, but um and you never, you're never quite sure. I mean, when I went to Ukraine, I thought it was going to be, um, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. I just hopped on a plane and went, basically. But, uh, it was, um, it was interesting. Um, the people were very nice and, uh, you know, in India as well, um, people were very nice and, uh, I wasn't prepared for the poverty there, though. I mean, um, there were a couple kind of crazy things. There were, in certain places, there were lots of cows wandering around. Um, uh, we were driving down a two-lane road. It was two lanes each way. And uh, in one of the lanes, there was a cow laying. He was just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Guess he got tired. So. <laughs> wow, cow tipping in India. <laughs> no, possibly. No, no, no cow tipping. You're not supposed to mess with them. And then there were a lot of um, uh, stray dogs wandering around. Mm. Um, there were two of mm. them biting. In a, I had just we had just gotten to one place and gotten out of the car and uh, we're walking into the building and all of a sudden two two dogs start, you know, going <laughs> at it. <laughs> so, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Did you feed them, or? Um... No, no. I guess, the, according to the guy there, um, they kind of hang around, and people, you know, I guess people throw them stuff or whatever, but, um, you know, they're, they're just local dogs that just hang out, so. And bite. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I mean, I guess they're very territorial, like, hey, <laughs> move it down the street. This is my spot. 
Well, you know, I guess there have to be. Is um, it sounds like there's a lot of people, and also, you know, like you're competing if uh, you're a stray dog for. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly certainly a lot of people. Um, mm. We were at the Mumbai airport, and I think it was probably around 1 a.m., and there were hundreds of people there. I mean, it was, just cra- it was just crazy, like outside, waiting for people to come out. Um, it was almost like a, I don't know, you walk out, and it's like the red carpet, you know, there's all these people waiting and <laughs> talking and yelling and stuff, and... Uh, Really? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But I mean, I I was surprised that that there were that many people there. But apparently, um, most of them were there dropping people off because all the international flights take off really early in the morning, as I found out. And um, so that's why they're all there. Well, you know, <coughs> another thing, like since you mentioned that, um, is the time difference because. Um, you're in the future when you go there. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it was like ten and a half hours in the future or something. And then you come back and you're in the past, sort of. Yes, um, as you're flying back. I mean, it's halfway around the world, so you're flying back, and it's, uh, you know, normal time here is. So. So what's it like to you know live through uh, time travel? I guess. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, you know, uh, there were six, uh, six flights that I took and, um, I traveled, uh, 32,000 miles or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, because of the way that our flights were, we didn't really, um, like I left on Saturday afternoon and... I didn't get to the first hotel until Monday morning there. So, um, that was kind of weird. And, you know, there's like, I don't know, three, four hours between flights in different places and, uh, not a lot to do at, um, Munich airport. It, you know, uh, I think we were there in the morning. And then when we got to, Mumbai it was after midnight so our next flight was in the morning and uh, you know not a lot of time to go to a hotel or anything like that so we just stayed there and um, found the only bar that was open and drank (laughs) for four hours (laughs) and then got on a plane and well you know um, I'm hoping that in some of that time that there was a souvenir to be found because um, I believe we did talk about that before you left so yes we did yeah there there might be a souvenir yes there might be now I think we should talk about the cool little um, you know pod that you had to on the plane because that does sound pretty cool yeah yeah that was uh that was interesting because we flew business class and um the my boss i went with him and um he's a you know he's got lots i think he said he's got like 2.4 million air miles that you know (laughs) he hasn't used or anything so um 
he gets lots of perks. We, you know, we went to the lounges, the business lounge, and, uh, you know, they give you free food, free drinks, and all that stuff, and, um, so that was kind of interesting, um, and then the pods were, like, these private seats that, like, they kind of folded down into a bed if you wanted to sleep, or, you know, it had its own, uh, entertainment system, and it was pretty nice, um, definitely recommend flying that way as opposed to coach. And then also, um, the lodging, once you were there, like there was a, a stark difference really, um, from one place to another, um, yeah. Like yeah. Place. Yeah. about that. Uh, the first place that we went was a, um, the first hotel we stayed in was a, like a courtyard by Marriott or something. And, um, you know, not, not overly impressive. It was okay, you know. And then the second place we went, I don't remember the name of the hotel, but I walked in my room and it was like a, um, like a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, yeah. It was pretty nice, really nicely furnished. And then it had like French doors to the bedroom. And then there was a huge bathroom with a clawfoot tub and a walk-in shower. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And... Uh, I thought it was a mistake at first, <laughs> but I went and saw my boss, and I was like, hey, uh, that room, huh? He's like, yeah. He's like, I have the same exact thing. So. Well, I mean, you know, it's always nice to, like, be surprised in that way rather than the other way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, a yeah. thing, you know, something, and it being like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. So... You know, um, overall, all of the rickshaws, I wanted to ask about those because, you know, we've, we've interviewed people from India before. We had guests and yeah. um, we talked in even one of the books that was turned into a movie was Rickshaw Girl. Um, but you were telling me that the rickshaws are different than we had imagined. Well, I mean, you know, when I think of rickshaws, I think of like people you know, sitting in a, like a cart type thing, and there's people who pull them around, but uh, right. I saw none of that, um, they were these, uh, three-wheeled, like, almost like a van, I guess, that there were, like, hundreds of them all over the place, and, uh, I gotta tell you, um, traffic in India is, uh, pretty scary like so you know you spent lots of time in new york city so how do you compare well, the traffic situation yeah so in new york um there's lots of street lights and lots of or um you know stop lights and lots of police and people generally follow the rules the you know rule of the road and uh in India, that was really not the case. It was more of a free-for-all, I would say, because we were wow. we were we were on a two-lane road headed to the um, uh, airport when we were leaving, and I swear there were five lanes of traffic. I mean, you got motorcycles and these little tuk-tuk things that I was talking about, and uh, cars and SUVs and big trucks. I mean, everybody's just like trying to get from point A to point B and 
you know, crossing lanes, and it was just insanity. So, did you like just close your eyes and be like, okay? <laughs> no, but there no. were there were a few times when we were cruising along, and I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you go to make a turn, and like they just they don't they don't like stop. I mean, they just make the turn and then expect whoever's coming at you to stop. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you you would not have liked that, I'm sure. No, I would be screaming my head off. I can't imagine <laughs> it. So yeah, it was um, uh, it was something. Well, I mean, did you see any accidents? You know, because or they're just so used to it that like somehow it just works. I mean, it, I think that's the case. It somehow it just works because I talked to uh, someone who is not from there, but they've been living there for a while. And uh, I was like, how did you get used to the driving here? He's like, you just have to do it because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. It's like, you know, you can't be intimidated by it. I'm like, damn, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> do it. And I mean, I like to drive and, you know, traffic doesn't bother me and stuff, but like, wow, it's just beyond. It's like another level, sounds like. Of, yeah, uh... yeah, for sure. Interesting. Well, you know, it's good to have you back, of course, and uh, glad to hear of the adventures. Um, so our guest today, um, not from India, but from Italy. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, he's an opera singer. So mm -hmm. uh, also he is a chef and somehow he like took these loves that he has for both and combined them into, you know, like dinner performances, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those are like such unlikely. I don't. I, I don't think I've ever seen a singing chef, like an opera singing chef. Have you? Mm, no. I mean, I've heard people singing while they're cooking and stuff, but like. I don't recall anyone doing opera. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he has a, a magnificent voice. So it's hard not to, even if you don't like opera, um, which, okay. So I do find that a lot of people uh, do not like opera, they say to me. I um, mean, I would, you know, I would guess it's probably not as popular here in the U.S. as it is in Europe. Yes, because, you know, um, like most operas are in uh, Italian or another language. Right. Like, and, uh, maybe that's some of it, but, you know, also just, um, it just hasn't caught on I guess to the common person like when you turn the radio on uh, or whatever that you do download you know whatever it's generally gonna be I think more popular kind of music than yeah, opera of yeah for sure so I'm just you know curious if that's the case because I think from an early age he uh, was immersed with opera and seemed to fall in love with it. So I'm just really curious about his backstory with all of that. Yeah, and I'm curious about the uh, cooking aspect of it, how that all came about. Yeah, because, you know, it's like 
you know, you got chocolate and my peanut butter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like when the Reezy cup was uh, invented or you know discovered or whatever you yeah, want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like you got opera in my kitchen. Oh, you know, I'm so it's just fascinating to me. I, and I. You know, I wonder what he's gonna sound like. Does he have an accent, or is I'm he guessing gonna... he does. Yeah, I bet so too. And you know, I do love a good accent. So, yeah. um, you know, as long as I can understand them, there are those accents, like from, you know, when you call a call center thing for help, and yep. uh, you can't, they can't understand you, and you can't understand them. Uh, I don't like that so much. So. Well, I don't think this will be like that. No, no. I think we're going to click just fine. So, you know, let's get into this backstory. It's, uh, I just feel like we have not had a guest that um, is anything remotely like this um, as far as opera and cooking and performing that. We, we haven't had any any guests that's mentioned that they do that so yeah, i mean we have had singers and we have had uh, a guy who's a chef but never one in the same yeah you know um the um the mobile one that we had um, yes david leather david Smith. yeah david leathers i think it was his name yes you know uh so that was a unique cooking experience an episode that we had and this is just going to take it to the next level, I think, with um, you know combining two types of guests that we've had into one one guest. Yep, there you go. All right, well, let's uh, talk to Jonathan. Then. Yeah, we'll talk to Jonathan and uh, find out all about this. Jonathan, I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. We're really excited to have you as our guest today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, I want to start with a quote from Julio Iglesias Jr. You know, people get compliments all the time, but he said of you, uh, most powerful and passionate living voice. Yeah. Is that true? Are you... <laughs> Are you the most powerful and passionate living voice? I mean, um, I mean, it's very embarrassing this kind of question because uh, uh, yes, but I want to play humble game. But uh, I mean, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm one of the few people still uh, using the bel canto technique for singing, so that is kind of uh, true technically. Then the, the, everybody will have their own opinion. Only few they gonna buy my records and listen to my music right so where does the passion come from like so the vocal you know i i can see that's a talent and you develop that but where where do you get the passionate part be honest i was uh i was very very young and music was the only thing uh really captivated my attention um i grew up in an orphanage so i as a, as, a, uh, as a protection, uh, I was a very shy uh, kid. And uh, one day I heard this powerful voice come from uh, the, um, the um, music uh, speakers and was the great Luciano Pavarotti. And wow. that music really uh, um, wicked me. And 
made me feel good. And that's, I think, when I fell in love for music and really uh, changed my life. Um, so what what was it about the music that spoke so much to you? Like, uh, Opera music uh, is a very powerful uh, m- message in, in two different ways. Musically, the symphony, the music, classic symphonic music is a complex music is really uh if you if you heard live is something really change your life and plus the words the words that are very poetic it is very high cultural uh understanding they're talking about freedom they talk about uh independent they they're very very powerful words so that i think it res- uh, resonates inside me very strongly and uh, i don't know anyone in the world exposed to opera being uh, unaffected. I'm pretty sure uh, even my children, I have four children and a few of them, they never heard uh, opera. And I remember the first time I brought my daughters to listen to a real opera concert to what I was in, they were like, whoa, dad, this is different. This is, <laughs> this is something a lot different than the music we usually heard about. So it's very, very, very uh, different from the rest of the music in the world. And so you grew up in in Italy, is that correct? Yes, I grew up in Italy. I was born in Sicily in a small town called Ragusa. And then I moved north Italy to have more chance in life. And then finally I immigrated to the United States of America. So I know that here um, a lot of people have not been exposed to opera, like at a young age, especially. So what was it like? um, Like, what's the contrast that you see or if you do uh, between the experiences you had in hearing opera in Italy when you were young um, versus, um, you know, a similar age child in the U.S.? Um. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to be okay. like, you know, is there that same um, level of exposure, do you feel like? No, actually, um, there's a, compared to, 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 to today, I mean, 2023, uh, Europe still have that very uh, uh, old world uh, school, you know, where we start from uh, 600th century, 500th century. And America is pretty young nation compared to Europe. Right. So, for sure, we a lot of immigrants try to brought back, uh, you know, bring with them the European experience. But unfortunately, um, the upper class came later, and so we are a little bit late compared to Europe in that in that, in that way. Uh, for sure, we in America we are had because we have infrastructure now they're very good i give an example the fisher center belmont university has a beautiful uh, theater called the fisher center is very european uh, uh look like and uh, i when i saw that that venue here in nashville i was like okay now i go home <laughs> and uh, yeah. in italy yeah <laughs> it's beautiful and um in Italy, we basically we 
born and we are exposed to uh, that kind of music because it's our roots. You know, uh, the Romans Empire, the, the yeah. Vatican. Um, so we have a lot of influence in that manners. Here, uh, dep- in America, depends where are you. If you're on the coast, like more uh, east coast, so close to Europe, is a very strong European influence. And I went to college in uh, McGill University in, in Montreal. It's very European uh, uh, America uh, side. It, more, more you go west, the more you go far away from uh, that culture. So there is a lot of difference and there is a lot of impact uh, in the people's life. And, and I can tra- transfer that to also food, uh, just to give a simple uh, when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, it was fried chicken, fried chicken, finally. <laughs> <laughs> a, last, a piece of lasagna showed up, and that was me. So it's kind of interesting, but uh, I love this world because uh, I think I think uh, this is history. We move, the people move. We have a lot of California and New York now here. So they bring in, in the town a new... A new uh, new hair you know mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, I can feel that because uh, now we have a more variety of music here in Nashville well I grew up in Jellicoe Tennessee and so Grace Moore was a famous opera singer uh-huh. and um, so I think um, I was exposed and interested in opera a lot because she was the most famous person from Jellicoe uh-huh. and, um, you know so I, I do find it interesting because I don't think like by and large that opera is something that a lot of young people um, you know listen to or prefer but I find it fascinating that it really resonated with you at a, a young age so yeah. Another thing that resonated with you, it seems, is Elvis. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how did your exposure from opera to Elvis, like, where does he fit in? The the reality was this: in uh, in one of the last uh, Elvis performer perform, performance, sorry, uh, Elvis uh, um, wrote uh, the lyrics for Osole Mio. Yeah. Osole Mio is a typical 90-20 uh, Italian song, uh, bel canto, Italian bel canto. And Luciano Pavarotti impressed uh, Elvis with that song. Elvis could not sing in Italian, so what he did, he wrote in, in English English lyrics. And the two, the difference between the two songs it is very interesting. Elvis was a... Uh, the Elvis lyrics is more um, sexy. They're, he talking about it's now or never. It's about about a girl trying to convince her to kiss me now, otherwise it will be too late, and all this stuff. Right. Osole mio, in reality, is a worship the the beauty of the Italy. Osole mio, mean, translated means, uh, oh look on my son, oh, the son. Uh, and the water and the sea and the culture and uh, this la- this man singing serenade uh, to this lady on the windows. Typical Italian um, love story, but celebrating the culture and the uh, and the landscape. Elvis was doing his version. Is it's now never. 
So when I came to America, I remember I started to sing a solo uh, to Italian festival. And uh, I remember this gentleman came to me and said, oh, help me sing the same song, but he's singing this way. And I was impressed because I I want to do some research. So I saw the video, Elvis doing this, and I say, oh, my God, if you today, Elvis and Pavarotti were alive, I'm pretty sure they will do a anything to act. Yeah. And that's when I started out with Vanessa Campagna to have uh, this wonderful version of hybrids between Elvis and Luciano Pavarotti. Well, I I saw that you said that music is what makes the world fall in love. Um, yes. Has that been your experience? Yes. Uh, tell you the truth, I I fell in love for my wife singing opera in a Italian restaurant in a very cold uh, night uh, of uh, snowstorm in Cleveland, Ohio. And I have this wonderful woman look at me, uh, sitting on the table. I'm singing in this restaurant for a charity event in a restaurant called La Dolce Vita. More romantic than that could not be. (laughs) (laughs) In Cleveland. Been been seven years, and uh, uh, she told me she fell in love for my eye, my reality. She fell in love for my voice, and uh, yes, music can be very magic. And uh, I will. I wish all the kids. I mean, I'm talking about with you guys. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have a love song you love. And uh, but today, kids, I don't understand. They they play rap to fall in love. I don't understand. They need <laughs> they need to learn something. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe they will hear this podcast, you know, and they will, like, take your advice. Um, so you, you have this album coming out, Romantico, uh, yeah. September 15th, and it's going to have um, It's Now or Never or Oso Mio on yeah. that. Um, yes. Also, it's going to have Can't Help Falling in Love, as I understand. Yes. <laughs> I love that song. Like, if it, that is like, that is a very good love song, I feel like. Um, you know, that's in my top list. So, uh, how did you go about, like, narrowing this down to 16 greatest love songs? Because there is no way I could pick 16. This is very simple. So, like I told you, I born in Ragusa in Sicily, and before ending here in Nashville, I lived and changed uh, 32 houses in uh, 16 states. So I've been living in Italy, France, Germany, UK, Canada, Quebec, Toronto, Ontario, Cleveland, Ohio, New York. Mm. Uh, I was living in Argentina, Spain, and then finally. Nashville, Tennessee. So in all my traveling, I picked uh, the most romantic song were a big hit in that country. Uh-huh. And every song tell the story. In fact, I have a French a French songs from uh, Charles Nazavour, she, uh, and then I have uh, Besame Mucho. Then uh, I have Amapola and then uh, other songs. So, I'm telling a story of my last 16 years traveling and fall in love 
with the country I was living in. Oh. Well, that's a neat backstory. I was not expecting that to be the way it happened at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so um, this these love songs. Uh, how, can't help falling in love since I really like that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, what about it made you choose that one? Um, can't help fall in love is uh, really my story because uh, uh, what uh, I, I mentioned when I fell in love for my wife in Cleveland, Ohio, was a, a long period of time I was alone, I was single, and uh, and I didn't feel complete. I wasn't, you know, I'm. I'm Italian, I'm a very family man, and uh, I remember <laughs> um, I, yeah, I had girlfriend, but nobody really fulfilled my life, and the musician, we, and uh, Italian musician, we are always need to have uh, our muse to be inspired, mm-hmm. so, and uh, in that period, I was listening a lot, Elvis, and the song hit me again and uh i say i should do a new version of this more romantic and let's try and that was the reason and uh, again it was uh, i think i chose that song in 2012 and uh, since then i've been singing my concerts and work very well for my audience and then uh i said okay i will include that song it really mean a lot for me and uh, it's a beautiful ballad. Yes. And at your concerts, um, do you get a lot of stories of people telling you, like, you know, they fell in love listening to your song? Or oh yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of baby name after me because <laughs> <laughs> I remember when uh, was very uh, uh, very almost <laughs> um, controversial because that. Uh, uh, someone tried to, you know, when people use Google Translated to send you a message yeah. because they want to say, but they don't speak your language. So my wife used to, used to check my, e- my email, and uh, we got an email that say, uh, my son' name is Jonathan uh, because of you. And she thought it was my son, <laughs> my child. <laughs> <laughs> in, re- in reality, she meant this is women. I went to your concert. And I love your music. I play the music home with my husband. And then when our son, uh, John, <laughs> we just said to call Jonathan, came out. <laughs> so I'm proudly, I'm proudly repopulating the world thanks to my music. Well, there you go. I mean, what better title than that? Um, all right. So I have to know, how does this cooking, because you also are a good cook. And you mentioned yes. food earlier. So how in the world do you get, um, you know, the idea that you're going to sing and cook and put this together to be like, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I've watched some of the videos and shows like where you've been fixing something and singing. Yeah. It's amazing. So where did the idea come from? Okay. In Italy, we have a mean, I don't know if I can translate this, but it's a necessity virtues. So it means uh, when you need to do something, you need to learn it. And uh, so I had problem. I had to uh, work to, like I told you, I, I would grow up without family, so I need to provide for myself. 
So and my grandfather, who really was a very wise man, teach me, if you need a job, always go for a restaurant. At least they go, they're going to pay you and they're going to feed you. That's how Italian works. <laughs> so I ended up to work in the kitchen. And uh, so I start to follow the chef and I start to uh, like memorize all the recipe, how he process the food, how cook the food. And so in the in the spare time, uh, in sorry, I was cooking uh, cooking to pay my bill at the university, and so I learned how to do that. Then again, when I fell in love for women, to impress a woman, what do you need to do? Or show you have a lot of money. It wasn't my case. Or you need to cook for them. So I start to invite people and I start to cook for them and I start to serenade them. So I start to say, they both work, these two still work <laughs> together very well. <laughs> and then I learn how to do pizzas and I start to sing in some restaurant in uh, uh, UK and I start to rolling pizza and uh, sing opera during that process. And people were tipping give a very generous tip actually two people asked me can you please sing that song because i'm gonna propose my wife to that uh, my girlfriend tonight wow. so i i i learned in life uh, people love love the simple stuff but sometimes in the simplicity you have uh, uh, and people eat every day you know so that is something we need to do for a living and music is a very good uh, all right matt i think this is like your area so what do you think about this um idea of combining the two i mean hey if it worked to you know uh you know you wanted to meet women and uh if it worked if it worked for you doing that then it sounds like a great idea to me I wish I could sing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, go ahead, Kat. Keep going. Okay, well, um, so uh, what is your favorite um, combo of song and food? Is there a, you know, a particular song and food that you just love, like, above the others to do together? Okay, um, we have, um, in Italy we have opera called Opera um, Allegra, so it means uh, happy songs. Yeah. They usually go when you sing, uh, uh, but let's, let's Americanize a little bit so we, our, our uh, people listen to this podcast will understand. It's like um, make burgers, I will, I will make a, a grill like a barbecue, mm -hmm. and I will sing... Uh, West Virginia, you know, uh, country home, oh, take yeah, me yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John like Denver. a typical, typical American, you know, song, a party song, let's put it this way. Oh. So if you had barbecue, I will go for uh, Neil Diamond or Elvis Presley or Beatles or very classic song, always evergreen. In Italy, we have the same things, but in opera. So we have... Uh, a song about everything. So we have a song about women, about the problem, how to solve a problem. And then we go for like easy pasta dinner or salad and uh, very easy things to do. 
And if we go for romantic, again, we, we're going to use uh, very uh, good opera or romanza. It's a romanza usually is a, is a love story. Uh, usually the topic is uh, your eyes is beautiful, your lips are pink, I will love you. To kiss you, <laughs> wow. So, I mean, how do people like how do we find you to like if we wanted an experience like this? Do you go touring or like what do people have to do to because I usually, I usually it. there's a lot of private events, so there's a lot of uh, we do often kitchen operate the kitchen. So usually people have um, own a big home. They prepare like a, um, a dinner with 20, 25 people, and they want to experience this kind of event. Ah. Call Opera in the Kitchen, and they usually go on my website, book a night with my team, and we organize this kind of dinner. Uh, I, I try to keep... Uh, in two, three particular months, because I'm less busy, like February, January, February, March, usually I'm more free, hmm. and the people they they don't want to go out too much. So usually the month yeah. I develop that uh, shows. Wow. Well, I would think February would be a really busy month for those because that's like Valentine's and the month of yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. You know? You know, many people fly me. Yeah, a lot of people from a lot of people from Japan, Asia, book me in that period usually, and uh, I go a lot in Asia in that period of the year. Do you? I mean, it just sounds like you have the greatest. Like, I don't know, just to like be cooking and singing and love, like all those. You just sound like you have such a positive, happy, wonderful life. Yeah, it is. I cannot. I, I'm very grateful to God for the life uh, he, he gave to me. I had a lot of years of really bad, bad days. But uh, you know, sometimes uh, uh, the um, the diamond go, uh, the diamond go. Everybody see the diamond as a final product, but uh, before then, it would be in years of years of high pressure and uh, <laughs> the, the yeah. process has been tough. You know. Yeah. And yeah. nothing. Uh, every everybody praised the the final product, but nobody knows where where you know where it took uh, to get that final product. Yeah. So do do you uh, cook and sing around the house? I do. I do. Uh, that is the um, our two kids. We have two two daughters now. They're growing up. They live far away. Yeah. And uh, so. The two, three times a year we gathering together, guess what? They ask daddy to cook <laughs> their favorite dishes and uh, sing for them, and we have uh, uh, our time together. Uh, Again, singing for me is natural, like breathing. So I'm, I, I'm not uh, saving uh, uh, that. I actually, I give the best to my family sometimes because yeah, it's so of what I do. Yeah, you're not like, oh no, I can't sing. I have to save my voice. No, no I don't. <laughs> I'm, I love do what I do in uh, in uh, 360 degrees. 
So, so you have this uh, new uh, the album coming out, and uh, what? Yeah. I mean, are you going to tour and uh, for that? Or? Yeah, we're going to have this wonderful concert at the Fisher Center uh -huh. on November twelfth. Uh, so basically, we took uh, all my songs and they became um, the part of the uh, the Spirit of America tour mm -hmm. live with. Uh, uh, Brad Stein. So we merged uh, opera with comedy with country music. Ah, interesting. So we're going to tell the people the story of uh, a legal immigrant came to America to, uh, to celebrate the American culture. The American culture is uh, simply many cultures together because... The American person doesn't exist in reality. Right. He's, a, he's a, a bunch of Irish, bunch of German, bunch of French. Everybody yeah. come together. And I know a lot of German people married Italian people. A lot of Italian people mar married French people. So he's the beauty of this country, guys. Mm -hmm. I love America because I feel, uh, especially for me, because when you are orphan, you don't belong to anyone. So you need... Uh, a neutral territory to become yourself. Mm. So I, uh, for the first time when I became American, I felt uh, belong to some, some, uh, somewhere. And I, I'm happy to be an American. And we are celebrating this with the spirit of America. We are celebrating life, culture, and uh, this wonderful country. That's awesome. All right, Kat, you got time for one more question. Okay, so um, it's always hard when there's just like one more question, to, but yeah. I, I think, um, you know, because the Spirit of America, that's going to be in Veterans Day weekend, uh, November yeah. 12th, which is two days after my birthday, um, but at oh. any rate, like, what did it feel like? when you became a citizen like uh, it do you feel like the american dream like you're living it now or yes um, um become an american for someone uh, um, start the process i started the process 20 years ago i been i came in this country with visas and uh, every five years i need to renew my visa and uh, i said is the right time? Do I really want to stay here forever? It was like um, try to understand what I want in my life. And uh, when I remember, I did my um, I swear to the you know uh, yeah, to totally. the to the Constitution. Uh, I tell you guys, I cried because I I dream since I was twelve to become a citizen. Um, people without people don't belong to nowhere like I told you before is uh, finally say I'm Italian by birth but I didn't decide that I just no, <laughs> I born in that country and I love my country don't take me wrong I really love it. Italy is beautiful uh, he has a lot of history and uh, uh, amazing food amazing people but when you finally the judge says uh, yes, I declare you are now a citizen of American uh, America. He really, I, my heart melted, and I felt uh -huh. 
so so blessed because uh, you can go to china you can go to italy you can go to everywhere in the world and this is true they're gonna give you a citizen but you will never become an italian you never become a french you never become british you, you ne- this is the only country in the world where you can become an american and you're gonna feel an american hmm. wow so that is the beauty <clears throat> That is very beautiful. Um, this has been a fascinating uh, interview. Um, definitely, we have never had a guest that is, you know, like this is such a unique story. So we have not had a story anything like this, and and, and I just find it very inspiring and and just very uplifting. So I really appreciate you being our guest today. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it too. Uh, Jonathan, we thank you for your time. It's been fun and uh, interesting, like Kat said, and we hope to have you back again soon. Yes, and please uh, uh, let me know if you want to come to see the show. I will make sure you're going to have two tickets, okay? Awesome. Thank you so You much. got it, because, you know, I'm all about the love, so I want, <laughs> it, I want you to come and, like, have that All right. <laughs> all right. Thank Annette. you so much, guys. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.